Welcome to the Fast Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. This series is dedicated to the challenges that keep entrepreneurs awake at night. And today's episode is about rising from the ashes and really just a demonstration of the growth mindset. We'll also look at the importance of wrapping yourself in the right resources and support to increase your chances of business success. Today's guest found failure in one business, but that steered him to success in his latest venture, to share some of those learnings today, welcome founder of Recruitment App Job Seekers, Jamal Braithwaite. Welcome, Jamal. Thank you for having me, Trish. Great to be here. Thank you so much for coming, um, Jamal. We can't wait to hear your, your story. And your journey as an entrepreneur hasn't necessarily been um, a fluid one. Uh, I think that you were doing something a little bit more high-flying before you <laughs> moved into founding companies. That's right. Let's kick off today's podcast by telling us a little bit about that. Okay, so I moved to UK in 2006, um, where I went to co- high school, then college. After college, from a very young age, I always knew that I wanted to be a pilot. Um, being born in Barbados, we lived in or right on the coast near to the airport, where every morning we'll find see the Concorde taken off, and that just flared the, you know, the aviation bug in me. Yeah. And so, um, with that in mind, I set off to be. Uh, become a pilot, and then after college, I went to Oxford Aviation Academy, uh, where I did 18 months of training there. And after doing that, uh, I actually found failure in that too because I didn't actually pass it the first time around, so I had to resit. Um, but after resitting, I then chose Thomas Cook as the airline to fly for, um, and then yeah, I flew for them for just about eight months, and then left. <laughs> Which a lot of people always find funny. So there's a chance that on my, my trips to Tenerife or, or Malaga, <laughs> you That's right. But, but, uh, but yeah, I, I left them and uh, I left Thomas Cook at that point and it primarily because I, I just wanted some, to try something different. Hmm. Um, I find that there was a bigger ambition in me that was raging and even though flying is my first passion, it just w- was not being fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I left it and then went into to sales. And you had a few um, you had a few skirts with danger when you were in Thomas Cook. I remember you telling me when we first met. I chat. did. I did. We had a, a, a point where we actually were flying out to because Thomas Cook had um, Canadian Affairs contract. So we used to fly the 757-200 out to Canada. Uh-huh. And we had a trip where we were taking it to Toronto and just passing Dublin and going out into the Atlantic Ocean, we encountered a problem with our right engine and had to swing around and come back and land at Dublin Airport. So That's not the Irish fault. I don't <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, we had, a, we had a quite a lot of uh, dangers, but we're, we're trained well for to, to be able to know what to do in, in those circumstances. So life-changing moments happen um, to many entrepreneurs and yours happened quite early in, in your life just after that, sort of the, your, your pilot career. Can you tell us a bit about what happened next? Sure. Um, so after uh, leaving Thomas Cook, uh, it, 
I searched for different jobs and everything. And to be honest, I didn't know, I had no idea of what, what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to try something different. What age were you at that time? I was about 21, 22, sorry, 22, because I actually started at 21 with Thomas Cook and I just left straight yeah. after. So, yeah, very, very young. Uh, went into APCO Group, found a sales uh, company called APCO. Uh, which is the number one direct marketing company in the world. They claimed to be anyways, Mm. Um, which was really door-to-door knocking um, and selling insulation. You want to really find it funny. My parents found it very funny. Well, my mom did. My dad did not. Um, That I I left piloting, something that they paid over 100 grand for me to to actually do. I went in and started knocking doors, people's doors, and looking in their lofts and drilling their walls. It sounds like there's a story there. (laughs) Well, yeah. How my, unfunny did your dad find that? <laughs> uh, unfunny enough to stop talking to me for about two years. Oh. So, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so, yeah, I went into to APCO and, and I, it was difficult, but I actually enjoyed the challenge. And I started to get, I made a lot of money because my accent was cool. My approach was, was different. I was very confident with customers. And so I got the hang of it and I started to really like it. And I was in that for about six months until uh, there was a, a five-stage management program. And I managed to get to the fifth stage and to run the office on Deansgate, which was 39 Speakers House in Deansgate, so after, which was SRJ Marketing. So after running that office for probably about two months or something, I realized that, again, it's commission only. So a lot of people are coming and going. But the way the recruitment process worked is that we would put a lot of uh, job ads out there, get a lot of responses back, and just based upon their CV, we would then invite them into the face-to-face interview. But then we realized a lot of people just fabricated a lot of their CV. So when you look at the CV and you go, well, hey, this person looks awesome. Let's get them in. And then you sit down with them in front of you and you go, wait a minute, you just wasted my time. Mm. But then... Time was really money for us at that point, for sure, because because it's commission only and I might be running my office and my team, I still had to go out there and still make my money for the day. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's really where the, the story of Next Gen Interview, my first company, was born. It was a video interactive, a video interviewing software, SaaS product, uh, for the recruitment agencies. Now, we had a situation where, like I said, candidates were sending in uh, CVs. We were looking at them. There weren't. We didn't really see who the person was, and we wasted time, which cost us money. So therefore, I thought to myself, well, why couldn't we just have a lot of CVs coming in, but then have the candidates actually answer some questions that are set out by that employer, where they can respond via video. Mm. As they respond via video, we can then, well, predetermine questions from the employer. We can then time those those questions and get those responses back and have a system where it assesses both the questions via video but also the CV. And then we can ascertain whether or not we really want to bring that person in. And so, yeah, after doing that, I seeked out... I knew nothing about starting a company. Uh, I knew nothing about recruitment. And so I went online and I took a year out and I just researched and researched and researched... And finally, in 2013, September 2013, I signed up next to an interview. Um, I then realized that, okay, we had a business plan to create. I started with the uh, business growth hub Mm -hmm. with startup loans. 
and got Business Growth Hub. They gave me a business plan. I got a mentor then who wasn't really hands-on. Um, I, I got more literature from him than I've ever gotten from anybody in my entire life, and that's all, that's all it really was. Um, we, the time we used to meet face-to-face wasn't very often. The time that I had to be able to call him up on the phone was not very often. So his role was not really a very effective for me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we signed up uh, NextGen and, 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 and then that was it. And it did actually achieve a measure of success, didn't it? And you got some quite notable names That's right. involved. Tell <clears throat> us a bit about that. So um, we managed to get... So, okay, let's, let's start from the very beginning on that. Um, I knew at one point we have to raise investment mm-hmm. because I have no technical background. So I knew that we have to build the software and I'm, my, my brain is now rattled okay, well, how? Because I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about, about tech. How do we do it? And so, um, first of all, we met with a gentleman called uh, Ian Lucy from Lucy Technology. And I actually put out my business plan on um, Angel Investment Network. And he responded back to us probably a few weeks later. Um, I would put it out for 50,000 pounds of investment that we needed to raise to, to build it. Um, Ian Lucy's company was a situation where they had the technical um, resources uh, and they had a bit of funding. So the idea was that they'll spec out the the software to be built, the platform to be built, and then give us, let's say, their, let's say the, the platform would cost 35 grand to build. They would take okay, say, okay, well, you have to pay us maybe 30% of this 35 grand and we'll cover the rest in resources. And that's how it worked. So being able to get the, the startup loans, that's how I really managed to get uh, to pay my fair share of, of, that, of that deal. The other person we got, so I pitched about 54. A lot of people actually don't know this part. I pitched 54 invest, um, investors or people for money. Before getting Ian Lucy, 54. And the first time I actually pitched someone, it was a gentleman who, (laughs) I keep telling um, my partner Elsa this story all the time. Um, It's a guy who was on The Apprentice uh, a couple years ago. Uh, I won't say any names, but he failed The Apprentice, but he had a property business in London. Um, which did investments. So I, you know, just as I do, went on LinkedIn, send uh, my business plan, say, hey, look, we're looking for this amount of money. This is the idea. He told me to come down. Like, but he told me to come down like two days later, yeah. which, as you know, train costs are not cheap. So we paid. What was, a, your, what was your feeling when he came back and responded to you? Um, well, he, I was, I was, oh, I was oh happy. God, I know. I was like, wow, somebody actually got back to me. Because, you know, I mean, for me, I might dumb it down now, but I was ecstatic, right? Because yeah. I've never done this before. Um, and I'm like, wow, somebody actually thinks that this is, I'm going somewhere, right? Mm. I must be doing something right. Anyways, I went down to London. I had to take a tube all the way across to somewhere else. And. We got into this office, massive building. I sit down, uh, and the time I think we were supposed to meet was like 3 p.m. or something. I got there probably like quarter to three. 
ample time. His receptions know that I'm waiting there. I waited there for about an hour before this guy took the time to see me. And then when he saw me eventually, brought me into his office, he sat me down right in front of him. I can't, I'll never forget it. He looked at me. He took my business plan. He looked at me and said, okay, put one rip in it. Put it in the bin next to him and thanks, tell me thanks for coming. Oh, my God. What did you say? I, <laughs> I just like, is that it? Yeah. Um, and I think I, I can remember just thinking, I, oh, so many different emotions was going through my head. I was thinking, well, is this how it is? Uh, am I, did I do something wrong? Did I do something right? Is he going to, like, I wasn't sure. Mm. Um, anyways, uh, I sat there for a while and I paused and I was like, is, that's it? Um, so what do you think or whatever? He's like, well, we'll get in touch with you. And then I left and came back to Manchester crying on the train all the way up. Um, and that was the first pitch I did. There will be entrepreneurs doing the exact same thing yeah. right now. You need an incredible amount of resilience to keep picking yourself up, especially after the first one. Listen, you, know, like, <laughs> you need a bit more than resilience. You must have just. been learning. You know, at some point you must have went, right, I'm learning, I'm, I'm refining this, I'm getting better. Yeah, you know? I think what really helped me was, um, I think from the first one, I was ready to give up. I'm not going to lie, I really was. And I think what really helped me is that I did a lot of reading um, and in my time of actually teaching myself what is business, um, about the recruitment industry, etc. By that time, I educated myself before I actually start pitching. Um, I read a lot of books from different entrepreneurs and articles, but it wasn't mainly on their successes, but also their failures. And I think one can learn from seeing and being around people. Um, but also one can learn by reading other people's failures and what they did to combat those failures. Um, and that's what really helped me to, to pursue it. Also, yes, you do need, you do need some grit and some resilience. Mm. Um, and I think you have to love it a lot. I, I found myself, I think I didn't really love recruitment, but I love the idea of helping people within predominantly candidates I never under and employers because I never understood why recruitment agencies charge employers that amount of money when really and truly all we're doing is networking and mm. networking is actually free which is crazy right but you charge four grand to hire somebody and then they leave in three months that yeah. doesn't make any sense to me um, it's like a train ticket. There's no actual justifiable reason behind the cost. <laughs> so um, I'm hey, just... Northern Rail. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, so I think for me, the passion was greater than, you know, anything I would go through. Um, so that's, and that was it. And I was determined too. But also, can I just say this? Mm. You have to have a, you have to be deluded. I think it's the right word to use. I delude myself to think this is going to work. This is the right thing to do. My delusion is based upon the passion. But, you know, having an idea and looking at it and seeing if it'll work is not enough. You really need that passion. You really need to have the grit because if you don't, you'll, yeah, you will, it'll be easy for you to give up. I don't know if it's delusion. It's definitely belief. I think you need uh, to yeah. absolutely believe it 100%. Yeah. And, you know, you 54 um, people or 53 people say, said no to you, but 
like investment companies get it wrong nine times out of ten. So like what, you know, they're not the experts either. That's absolutely. One thing Ian Lucy did say to me um, is everybody will tell you can't do it. Mm. Everybody out there will tell you can't. But what you have to find something in you that tells you that you can. And sometimes people will, yeah, we will look to for the answers to be out there. But actually the answers is within us. The answer is within us, and that's the truth. So did the introduction of those new investors, did that change the relationship then with Ian, or how did things, because things so, didn't yeah. end up well, did they? So then what, what happened was, to, to understand this, I'll just explain briefly how um, NextGen worked. So NextGen was a, a system where you could, so, other, so video interviewing wasn't new, right? Everybody was doing video interviewing. So, But what they did was, uh, companies would create a page for, so for say, for example, you, um, if, let's say the company was called Spark Hire that did, you know, video interviewing. They might say Spark Hire forward slash UK Fast. Mm. And that's your page for candidates to come to you, then do the video interviewing process and everything. But the branding is Spark Hires, right? Then you have to go to it, to your your company page that they've created. So you're taking away from... UK Fast branding. Mm. So what we did instead is that we were able to get employers to come to our website uh, or, or recruitment agencies, come to our website, create the five predetermined questions that they want, add the time that they actually want those questions, you know, the time limit on them, and then whether or not they want the candidate to be able to be able to re-record or whatever. And then that created an iframe solution, right? What's an iframe solution? So an iframe is like just pretty much like a link, so it's it's like um, all this entire system and this entire process in just a small little, um, what do you call it, like a URL, mm. for example. They'll then take that URL and embed it into the button on their page. So now you'll go to UK Fast or ASDA Careers page, and then you're going to go to all the jobs there, and then what you'll have is that when you click Apply it actually just brings up the same system that's NextGens on your page within the same application. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take you away from the employer brand. There wasn't too many clicks. It was a very simple, easy, straightforward process. Um, and then, um, so that's, that's what we needed to do. So, so we did that with Recruitment Entrepreneur. They put it into their system. But you could imagine you're, there how many, there are loads, thousands upon thousands of of recruitment agencies in the UK that are going to be applying, we weren't built for scale. Mm. So when we did it and put it on, it was like a, I think we had it on for a week. People were applying, it was working great, everything was going smooth, we had no problems. Then like a Saturday night, I'm like out. And I just get my phone blowing up. Oh no. Oh my God, it was like, the, it was crazy. It was the CEO of Recruitment Entrepreneur and she was just going, Jamal, Jamal, it's not working. It's not working. Everything is stopped and we, we can't get, and everybody's not, everything's not just stopped, but we simply are unable to look and, at the videos. We, we can't even see previous videos. So basically next gen had crashed. And so we didn't have any money in the bank. Hmm to be able to fix it. Nobody was willing to invest because at this time it was like, it was a bit of time. So nobody, we don't want to invest more and more money. The current investors wanted to me to go out and get other investors to invest. Yeah. Or we were really all just pushing Ian Lucy to get this, 
this platform fixed. Because, but I guess it was a big problem. I, 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 what we think is that it was a bigger problem than we thought it might have been. And they might have only built something quite, yes. quite chunky, if that makes sense. So that, That's the story you hear a lot with, with entrepreneurs. They build something to get that's the to problem. that level of investment. But then when you get to the next level, you actually literally just have to bin that exactly. and start again. And it's expensive. Yeah. And so I think that's what we went through. And that's a big lesson for me because for the new company now, we certainly are not doing that. We're certainly building for scale. Um, and our partners are making sure, I mean, our algorithm was currently built by a smaller firm and now it's being rebuilt by a bigger firm because for free because, you know, it was not built for scale. So that was the end of NextGen. Dead. Over. That was it. What happened next? I looked for a job. We just stopped, um, and I was just, I was kind of depressed for a bit, just for a little while, I think, just probably about, I don't even still know if it's depression, because I don't even know, um, but I was down, I was very low, because I wanted to take next gen higher and bigger and better. After doing that, I took a while out, um, being down and feeling bad for myself and everything, I started then working with a few companies uh, and on a few projects uh, in Manchester. Um, and after doing so, um, so we did like in the city club, etc. Here, um, and then after doing that, uh, I took some time out. Went to Barbados with my father. He retired for about six to eight months, which was great. Um, you know, enjoyed myself. Uh, relax because you needed that after that after going through because look I hit the ground running like when I went in I went all in right um, there was no you know waiting around or anything I just was hammering the phones hammering everything every single day um, there was a point in there where we before we even raised investments during that time over we a pitch 54 people and only got money on the 50 um, 55th investment it was, or 55th try rather, it was a case of, I, I had so many, it is difficult, like, because I don't talk about any of this stuff. Um, I had a situation where I didn't have any money. My parents were very upset because they wanted me to go back to piloting. And so they weren't supporting me. And it was very difficult to be able to then get a job because the only job that I ever did was one. Then I started a company. And then I've got, yeah, I've got Apco, but, you know, direct marketing will get you another sales job, which is fine. But at that time, a lot of people just weren't doing a lot of hiring. And then when you do, it's just you're either too qualified because you've got this piloting degree or you're not enough qualified because you don't. And I don't have a degree degree, right? That was the other issue. Um, and so I went on to, I, I've been on to the, the, what do you call the dole here, um, I went to food banks and to get food, and nobody knows that struggle. You know, I had a lot of problems with with going back and forth through um, homes in order to 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 keep a roof over my head. Um, I remember a time where I lost so much weight, and I my mom rang, and that was the time when my parents actually started to give me give me money again because I lost so much weight, and I was just eating tea. I was drink, eating eating apples and drinking tea. That I got from, that left over from the food bank, and yet still I won't give up on it, you know. Um, and I could have given up all that time. 
So yeah, I came back um, January 17, 2017 from Barbados. Um, whilst I was there in 2016, my mom um, complained a lot for a lot of pains. Um, and she went to the doctor. The doctor keeps telling her that it was, um, that it was just heartburn. And they said it was heartburn, and she just said, because unfortunately my family are very like, okay, we don't want to go to the doctor. You know that old school way, right? We, don't, we hate doctors. We're fine. So my mom had that mentality, unfortunately. And, um, you know, she, she said it was a lot of pain and stuff. And then my mom was like, these pains are getting worse. And they're not just feel like heartburn. I get pains in my stomach. We went back and checked again, and they sent her in for an ultrasound. After that ultrasound came back, they realized there's something there. Going on from that, did more tests and everything and realized. Now, they did more tests and they realized the CAT scan, the CT scan showed, look, there's something there. It looks like cancer. We then had to, we didn't know what cancer it was. We knew, we knew it was cancer. We just didn't know what cancer it was. This was in November um, of 2017 when we got those results for the CT. And we didn't get, we had to, my, then my mom had to go in then and get a, her liver biopsied because they did tests on, you name it, they did tests, her back, her stomach, her, her everything, right? They did even two on her ovaries. And they did the, the liver biopsy. We got the results back saying that she had stage four cancer. It was baldic cancer. This is why it was very hard to, because it's a very, very hard cancer to actually to find. And it looks like ovarian cancer. So um, she had baldic cancer, stage four, um, and she had only 20% of her liver functional. Uh, had engulfed the entire bile duct, and it was already had already spread to the pancreas. What, what do you do when you hear that? Right, so... Um, that happened, she, she, she told me, you know, all that. And it was a very weird conversation because she called me and she just was like, we talk every day, probably like four times a day, we'd call each other, no matter what part of the world she is at. Um, and she'll call me and she just, she just, hey, how are you? Because my, my family calls me Jim. <laughs> um, so she's like, Jimmy or Jim, here are you? Uh, and I'll be like, I'm fine. And then there'll be a pause, and then she'll ask me another question. And that's not usually how it works. It's, it's always flowing. So I'm like, what's going on, Mom? What do you want to tell me? What's going on? But then I was, I said that, but I was scared. Anyways, um, she told me then. Time happened, uh, and it got really bad, but nobody was telling me anything. Nobody wanted, because we, ha we had my mom in a treatment called ozone of the, of the blood. And so the treatments are very known to work really well, but nobody during this time would tell me anything. She wouldn't video call me anymore or anything like that because I, I was, nobody wanted to let me know because I'm an only child from, from my mom. So um, anyways, back, yeah, May happened, April. April time, I said, I'm going to come home. I'm just going to come home now. And she's like, no, don't come home. There's no point you coming here right now. I'm fine. Stay there. But then every time I said, I'm coming, everybody somehow would block me from coming home. Somehow, some way, they'll try to block me from coming home. 
So it, it turns out um, the last week of her before she passed, she passed on the 29th of April. The last week before she passed, I, I rang in and everything. My aunt said to me, rang me on the Thursday and said, um, I was just trying to, because at this time I didn't even know. At this time, I knew nothing. And she said, I was trying to feed your mom. And I was like, you were feeding my mother? She can't feed herself? She got that bad she couldn't. And she was like, I was feeding your mom um, with, through a sippy cup because she can't have true food. And her head, her neck was so weak, it gave way and it fell down. And I said, get my mom to the hospital right now. And um, we know a lot of people, we know some people in the government to help get her a bed and everything. So we got, we got everything sped up quite quickly. And I said, right, I don't care what anybody's telling me. I'm not going to tell you guys when I'm coming. I'm coming home, right? Um, so I booked the flight because the flights only were two days a week out of uh, Manchester. So I couldn't get the Friday flight, unfortunately. So I went to London to get Saturday. So the point was to get the flight to land in Barbados, uh, get a flight on Sunday, land in Barbados that Sunday. I took a train from Manchester at 8. My train was at 8 to go down, stay at Gatwick Airport, um, Premier Inn, to take the flight the next morning to go down. I'm getting ready now. It's probably about 5, 5 or so. It would have been, been about 5 o'clock our time here. And I'm getting ready. My suitcases are packed. I'm ready to... I just got out of the shower. I remember, never forget it. I just got out of the shower to go get my clothes ready to take the train down to London. As I got out the shower, sat on the bed <laughs> to lotion my skin, and I got a phone call from my, um, my cousin, from my dad's side. He was quite, she was quite close to my mom's side of family. We got the phone call, and she said, how are you doing? Are you ready to rock and roll? Are you ready to come home? Mommy's waiting for you, right? Come on, mommy's waiting for you. At this point, I'm preparing myself for my mom passing. Like, I, you know, it's bad now. Mm. Um, and then she put down from me. She says, safe trip. Let me know how you get down and whatever. Let us know what everything. And then all of a sudden, not even five minutes later, she rings back again. And I know my cousin. My cousin can talk a lot. So I'm here thinking, hmm, what's, that, what's this call about? What could she possibly have forgotten to tell me? So I looked at the phone, I looked at it and looked at it and looked at it, and then eventually I answered the phone. I sat myself down on the bed, and there was just silence and her crying on the other end. And she said, I'm sorry to tell you, but mommy's gone. And I just, yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't believe it because I was now preparing to go down to see her before. And I think that more than anything crushed me because I couldn't see my mom before I couldn't say bye. And uh, I, I cried all the way down on the train, um, all, the whole flight, probably the worst flight I've ever had, I could say that, um, and arrived on oh, the Sunday. It was a Sunday, yeah. Um, anyways, from that... My mom always loved kids. She wanted great things for this world. And so I wanted to do something, not just in honor of her, but I wanted to do something for me, but also something that I could honor her life with. And that actually, Job Seekers is dedicated to my mother. 
and so yeah, Job Seekers is 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 the next venture that I'm I'm created out of that, um, which is a uh, the only offline enabled uh, video interactive job and culture fit matching app for young people. Um, and the ideas really around that is to um, we want to be able to get, for example, the issues that I've went through. I don't want everybody, I want everybody to have opportunities, of course, but I don't want everybody to have it, find it difficult because of your circumstance, because of your background, because of your sex, you see, well, we would say your gender, your color, your skin, whatever. I don't want anybody to find there being you know, a bias against you. And so what Job Seekers is about is really taking a situation by, by inclu including culture um, and diversity, but also that sort of unbiased, we, we want to get past that unconscious bias, mm. really. Um, so an employer would come to our system, they would have 12 questions there which are around culture fit, um, and they would send those questions out to their employees because we don't want the CEO of that company to be answering those questions because they are going to be biased, right? And so we send them out to the employees, we get that back, so the company now has a persona. Um, and each employee is able to then select what department they're in. So now we have a persona, not just for the, the company overall, but per, per department. A candidate comes onto our system, also does the same thing, um, and they answer the questions, and those questions are then matched up. Our algorithm takes the questions along with the candidate's profile, which would be their CV in this instance, right? Um, their video interviews, etc. There, we have we have video profiles as well in our system, um, and the algorithm uses that to produce a percentage fit score for the employer. Um, so they they will not see the candidate before until they've actually they only see the percentage fit score of that candidate. So job seekers has obviously been dedicated to your mum. I don't know whether that creates more pressure or. Uh -huh. more passion and motivation to make it work but you know you have been through the next gen experience mm -hmm. and um i think what we talked about at the very beginning was when you don't surround yourself with the right support um and that was that one decision taking a and lucy or not taking mm -hmm. a and lucy but how would next gen have even taken off if you hadn't so yeah true. but you know you've taken some learnings from that like what are you doing now with job seekers so you, you know we first met when you came along to tech manchester looking for a mentor and yeah from the experience that you've had, I'm surprised you bothered <laughs> going looking for another one. Um, but what were you looking for when you came here, and and what 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 was the focus in terms of the resources you wanted to wrap around the new business? Um, for for me, it was a case of um, so on the tech aspect, I, I've definitely learned the lesson, um, and I've changed that, and 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 now for for job seekers, we got a, a darn good team. I, I did more vetting. Um, I looked at various different companies under, you know, at various price ranges or experience levels, um, and then I chose the best fit for our company. Um, so same now, I think what I had have now that I didn't have back then, which Tech Manchester also really helped with, was is a mentor. I have actually various mentors mm -hmm. now. Um, and You touched Lucky. Yeah, <laughs> I did, because yeah. I think I found... I was matched up at Tech Manchester with my mentor that was already my mentor, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny. Um, but yeah, I think that has really helped me because it's good to be around, yes, people who have been through it, but it's good to also be able to have somebody to call upon when you really need them. And sometimes 
an entrepreneur really needs somebody a little bit more often than most, mm. right? And it, it, it helps to not just have to send an email. It helps to t- pick up the phone and be able to say, look, I'm really having this problem. Mm. And here's what I think the solution should be, but what do you think about that, right? And that's what coming to Tech Manchester and having those mentors has really, really helped me with. And that has helped to form the company now a lot better than NextGen was. It really has. We've got a much more solid team. We've got, we've raised 100,000 pounds of investment already, and we're at a million pounds valuation. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and I wouldn't have been able help. My valuation, my, my cap and valuation was, help, was, I, was, I got a lot of help by my mentor yeah. um, to be able to get that. So Can we name check? Will we name check him? We can do. Yeah, yeah he'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah my, <laughs> my mentor is Volker Hirsch. I think I pronounced it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Volker, you're, yeah. you're talking about what? So it was in May of last year. So you're talking about not even 18 months down the line. Exactly. And, and we've already managed and we're still pre-launch. Like we're just finessing our algorithm now. The plan is to launch fully. Uh, in January of next year, because there's no point in launching now. If we're targeting young people, young people are in, are going to be coming out of university very soon. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So you're one of the first people that have come out the other end of the mentor program in Tech Manchester and come full circle, which is the which is the the ambition for the mentor program that we run. Um, can, let's talk a bit about that. It's about giving back. I think for me. I am more fulfilled when I give. Mm. Um, and even that is if that is within my own company, but also I know, as, as I've just explained, I know the crap that I went through. And I've ascertained that I, if I had someone like a Volker, that I can phone up and say, hey, what, what do you think of this solution or this problem I'm going through? It would, it would have saved me a lot of time and a lot of money, a lot of heartache, right? So, you know, keeping that in mind, I definitely wanted to, to give that back to, to someone else. Like, I think it, yeah, you should be able, I mean, look, I went through, I'm not, you know, remarkably successful or anything, but I went through a hard time and I came out on the other side of it pretty good. And I think with that, I can certainly give that back to, to somebody and help. And that's, that's what really made me really passionate to join Tech Manchester. Um, not just as a, a mentee, but then mentee turned mentor. Yeah. yeah. So you came along to the, the matchup. You've seen the, both sides. You came along, you did the induction, yeah. you did the training, and then you came along to the matchup in, in June. And you yeah. met quite a few. I did. And you had quite a lot of requests. <laughs> um, but you settled on, on one pair. Tell us about them. Yeah. Um, my mentees now are Darren and Cheryl. Um, they're co-founders, right? Uh, yeah, they're co-founders. But they're all. This funny thing is, is that they're also um, husband and wife, uh, and have kids together. Which, which I could also understand because I work in my business now with my, my, um, my girlfriend, and so. I could come from a relationship perspective and my mentoring as well as, you know, my experience as, a, as an entrepreneur. Um, and they're just doing some, some, they've got some great ideas. I just, I, you know what, they remind me, I know this, I hate when people say this because it's so cheesy when they say they remind me of myself. When but, I was young, you're still in your 20s. <laughs> I know, right? But the truth is that they do in terms of how um, they're really passionate. 
oh, when you see these guys talk, like even if it's a problem, they're smiling. Like that's me. Mm. And I loved it, right? Because they were just, they're so all in. Um, and even up to recently, I'm not going to go too much into it because it's not really mine to tell, I don't think, but they had some real issues on the tech perspective. And so I, I was able to identify the same problems I went through and go, listen, maybe not. Maybe look at it from, and the thing is, I don't really necessarily tell them what to do. I never tell them what to do. I just advise them. And so, I, but I, I advise them in a way that, okay, well, here's, look at the fundamentals, the logic of this. Check out the basics here, right? Now you figure, what do you want to do? And, and you kind of just give mm. them food for thought. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's how, and, and they, they, they love me and I love them even more. They're really awesome. They really are. So what's next for, for job seekers? It seems like it's, it's on that, it's onward trajectory and hopefully not too many crashes coming in. Um, no. Well, I think you told me, I think you were the one that told me that the, the highs and lows of an entrepreneur, but as you get, as you go down that path, the highs get higher and the lows get lower, but they get further apart. That's right. Didn't you say that? that I did. Time? I I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can I claim didn't. it. <laughs> we'll probably find out that's plagiarized, but that's okay. <laughs> no, the, the, Thanks the, Steve the, Jobs. <laughs> the truth is, is, is it does, they do get higher. That, I mean, look, that you've said it like truthfully right there. They, they do get higher. They do get lower the lows, but they come spaced apart. And so for right now, Job Seekers is at a situation where even though we built the product, we still had issues because, you know, we, we, we just still had issues with the platform. And the previous company who, who built it were bought by a bigger company, which made us <laughs> like slow our, you know, our development process down. Um, so, you know, but now we're in a situation where the bigger company has really taken lead on it. Um, and we fully paid for the entire platform and it's, it's, it's working tremendously well, really fast. It is exactly what I wanted, wanted to, or want to be out there. Um, we're currently in the point of raising investment right now. We're looking for half a million of investment. Um, but we're planning to launch in, uh, in January fully. Um, and for me, Job Seekers is going to eventually be a global company. It's not, there's no doubt about it. it. It is going to be, and it's going to be, we don't need to be the only one of us. There are loads of them out there. Yeah, great, fantastic, good on you guys. But we just want to be the best of, of them. And that's what we will be. It's been such a compelling story, Jamal. And I think, as you said, you know, it's those really difficult times and finding, digging deep to, to motivate and really just that not giving up, that continuing to rise from the ashes and find success. It'll be interesting to see how Job Seekers develops over 2019. And uh, I'm sure we'll all be reading your entrepreneur's blogs and uh, listening to your podcast <laughs> in a couple <laughs> of years going, hey, I interviewed that guy once. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your very personal story. And hopefully that will inspire and motivate um, other people that are going through some very incredibly difficult times, both in their business and personal lives. We hope uh, that you have enjoyed uh, the podcast today. We'd love to hear your feedback and your thoughts and questions. Uh, please just leave the reviews on iTunes, uh, leave your notes, questions, if there's things that we haven't covered today that you want to hear more on, and hopefully you'll get a better night's sleep. Thank you.